Yeah, there's plenty of space up there. Oops. You can sit. The first We have the we have the Prasadam program over on this side. What's this? What's the string he's distributing? This from the Abhishek. Oh. Ah, okay. Oh, so nice to see you all here. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a little bit um, well. I guess we all are full from you. All had prasadam. You had prasadam. Okay. I also had prasadam. <laughs> And so I'm a little bit full. Oh, he also has this Paravidyamala book. So it seems they're already available. <laughs> What's happening at this area? I see the table. Oh, it's a place to hang out. Yeah, that's okay. Don't scare them away. Let's see. Okay. Well, one subject is Singachala, since we are at Singachala. Uh, first time I, I came here was soon after it was established in 
1979. Yeah. And uh, it's, so it's been more than 40 years. Actually. And this temple building was the barn. It was an old 1917, they say it was built. And the roof was like like this. <laughs> and so it was quite yeah, it was it was in need of repair. So we told the officials we want to repair the roof. <laughs> they said, sure, go ahead. Hare Krishna, Dhanavi. You made it. It's a little cooler here than Dubai. <laughs> Dharma Gopta's just come from Dubai. What was the weather there? 46. <laughs> but it's very dry, isn't it? Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, so we got permission to replace the roof. So we took down the roof, but oh, we discovered, gee, taking down the roof, actually, the walls are falling apart also. <laughs> so we took the walls down all the way to uh, where the white part is. So down to the base, this ground floor is, you know, it's stone. And uh, the winter was going to be coming soon, so we had to, you know, replace the roof before the winter comes and to replace the roof we had to replace the walls and while we're at it we added a few windows <laughs> and uh, yeah basically closed enclosed it the shell and then they said Okay, now, no more construction. Now you need new permission. A new, you have to apply for proper building permission, uh, which we did. And while we were waiting for the permission, we continued building. <laughs> And then uh, the building was complete and ready for moving Shishi Radhamadan Mohan into the temple. And we got the building permission, I think it was just two weeks before we moved the deities in. <laughs> so. So Krishna made it all nicely arranged. 
I suppose we'll be telling some of these uh, stories tomorrow. Um, <coughs> all right, Krishna. Oh, we're getting some amplification. Yeah. Um, well, after just after I gave the lecture this morning, uh, Gorkeshava Prabhu came up to me uh, and had a few comments, very nice, very, very nice, insightful comments. I appreciate it very much. And he was expressing appreciation also, which inspired me. Um, but he was also sharing a little realization because we quoted um, Srinivas Acharya's song about the six Goswamis. He Rad, He Brajadevi Ke Chalalite, He Nanda Suno Kuta. I didn't do anything. I'm innocent. Hare Krishna. Is that going to jump? No, no, no. Hare Krishna. Yeah, that's good. So, um, yeah, I was quoting that verse, and he's, he, Gorkeshava Prabhu, uh, said, yes, the, the Goswamis were, were wandering around Braja searching for Radha and Krishna, but not necessarily just physically running around. Because another verse of that song, I think it's the second verse that we chant um, before reading Nectar of Devotion. Nana Shastra Vichara Naikanipano Satdharma Sangstapako Lokanam Hitakarino Tribhuvane Manyo Shalanyakaro Radha Krishna Hadaravindavajana Nandena Matamiko Vande Rupa Sanatano Ragu Yugo Shri Jiva Gopalako So what is this verse saying? Na yes, Nana Shastra Vicharana Nana means Various, Shastra means Shastra, Vicharana, Vicharana, Eka, Nipuno. Uh, Vicharana means um, reflecting on, studying, examining. And Eka, Nipuno means singularly expert. Satdharma, Sangstapaka, in order to establish Sangstapaka. Uh, mm, anyway, so 
uh, Gorkeshva was saying. Uh, so this is another way that they were searching for Krishna, for Radha Krishna. They were searching in Shastra. And so he was appreciating that we were discussing how um, he's a famous singer, you know? famous all over at least the Balkans, but I think more. He told me he'd been traveling all over Europe. Anyway, because we were discussing how how uh, Shimati Radharani is appearing in Shastra and we started with Bhagavad Gita and then we sort of went backwards and forwards we went back to uh, the Shvetashvatara Upanishad and he made the point actually you can go further back you can go to Rig Veda I don't remember now what example he gave. Anyway, um, but his point was that um, when we when we know what we're looking for, then we can find what we're looking for. If we don't know what we're looking for, we we won't find because we won't know what we're looking for. Yes, he quoted something with Ish. Yes, thank you. With Ishvarim, uh, which is feminine uh, goddess uh, or feminine control, Ishvara, Ishvari, Ishvarim. So anyway, um, and then he gave an interesting example. You've all, I'm sure, you've seen these. Uh, sort of games, a a visual image, which is composed of many, many, many dots in different colors, two colors, and sort of hidden in the image is a number. And if you don't see it, you don't see it. (laughs) If you don't know what you're looking for, you won't see it. Um, but if you know what you're looking for, very quickly, you'll see the number. So it's kind of like that. Shastra is, there's a lot hidden in Shastra. And if we know what we're looking for, um, then we can find. And this could be a way of understanding then also what the teacher, what the guru is one of the functions of the guru is telling us what to look for. So Srila Prabhupada told us, he showed us what to look for in Shastra. And this makes it possible for us to see. Oh, Krishna is there. Radha Krishna are there. Um, Bhakti is there. <laughs> Haribo. <laughs> um, 
which gives me an idea now I'm thinking aloud I have to I have to I agreed to write one so-called academic article mm. <laughs> and uh, the subject is going to be how Srila Prabhupada uh, presents God as the supreme teacher so I want to highlight this feature of, of God God in in the philosophy of religion there's lots of talk about first of all what, how to argue logically for the existence or non-existence of God and then closely tied to that is uh, the question how do we describe God what can be said about God from a perspective of hard philosophy so I've been invited to write an article about what Srila Prabhupada uh, presents how he presents God and I want to focus on his presenting God as the supreme teacher um, and so it's it's interesting to see I think how Srila Prabhupada helps us to see that God is the supreme teacher and it basically does this with the Bhagavad Gita and with his explanation of Arjuna's attitude in hearing Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> so it's quite, I don't know, it's quite simple and straightforward what Prabhupada uh, explains. He always would insist we take Bhagavad Gita, quote unquote, as it is. And this meant first and foremost that we take it in the way Arjuna took. Um, yeah. And of course, Krishna, Arjuna is Krishna's devotee, and that's his qualification according to Krishna. Sa evayam mayatedya yoga prokta puratana bhakto si me sakache sakache ti rahasyam hi etat uttamam. I'm giving you this uh, sa eva, that very same yoga. Maya by me is, uh, is prokta, is spoken. Uh, the same that was spoken before Ukta Puratana before why am I telling you Bhakta Asi you are a Bhakta Bhakta Asi me of me Saka Cha Iti and you are my friend so that's giving a, we could say that's, that's also the indication of what to be looking for in Shastra. Yeah. 
I was also thinking about uh, the verse in the ninth canto, maybe it's fourth chapter, um, which is uh, coming after the whole drama about King Ambarish and uh, the attempt by, who was it, who was giving him trouble? Durvasa. Yeah, and Durvasa was giving him trouble. And then it was Durvasa who was in trouble. Um, yeah, what was Ambarisha's offense? Drank water. Terrible. <laughs> he drank water. To break the fast. To break a fast. Bef well, before, the offense was... Before Dvavasamuni arrived in his house. Yes, before coming to receive... Uh, to receive uh, the, the alms. Yeah. So that he took as a very serious offense. Um, but... The Lord protected him. And there, I think it's at the end of all of that, the Lord explains, Sadavo hridayam mahyam sadunam hridayam tvaham mat anyate na jananti naham te bhyo manag api. So sadava, sadava is plural of sadhu, and sadhu means sadhu. But Prabhupada translates it in his word for word as pure devotee, the pure devotees. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> so sadhavaha, ridayam, mahyam. The sadhus are my heart. He doesn't say they're in my heart. He says they are my heart. Uh, the common in Sanskrit is in such a verse is that the verb to be is not included because it's assumed, it's understood. So it would be sadhavo hridayam mahyam asti, santi, santi is plural. Santi is, uh, they are. But that's not needed. So the, he just, Krishna's, Krishna says, Sadhavo Hridayam Mahyam. The sadhus are my heart. The are is implied. It says, Sadhav, Sadhus, my heart. <laughs> Literally. Sadhavo Hridayam Mahyam. Sadhu Nam. Hridayam Tu Aham. And but, and but, the two is kind of however, but I think in this sense it's more like, and, also, and, and not only that, it's sort of like, not only that. Sadhunam hridayam tu aham. And aham, I am the heart of the sadhu, sadhu nam, that's the plural genitive. Mat anyate na jananti. 
Jananti, so that's uh, plural, third person, they know. So he's referring to the sadhus. The sadhus know. What do they know? Mat anyat. Na jananti. It's not what they know, it's what they don't know. They don't know anything other than me. The sadhus don't know anything other than me. They only know me. Na aham tebyo manag abhi. And so the sadhus don't know anyone except me. And I don't know anything, not even a little bit, manak abhi than them. I don't know anything. I only know the sadhus. The sadhus know me. I, I know the sadhus. <laughs> it's a nice verse. It sounds maybe a little bit... Um, ex- talk about exclusivism. <laughs> this is uh, the original exclusivism primordial, perfect, maybe perfect exclusivity. Yeah. Um. Okay, that's one thought I had. My thoughts are a bit scattered <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Yaksha movie scattered. Ros Proshone. Uh, yeah, that's what I was looking at. Verstreut in German. Uh, maybe I should just see if anyone has a topic for discussion or a question. Here's a hand. He's digesting. <laughs> yes, Olga. Darf ich auf Deutsch? Ja. Das ist schwierig für mich. Um, Srila Shachinanda, das war mir, hat gestern gesagt, Radharani ist zwei Wochen später nach Krishna geboren. Also 15 Tage. Später, 15, 15 ja. Tage hat er gesagt. Hat das eine Bedeutung? Wenn er das gesagt hat, ich habe es auch, auch gesagt. <laughs> uh, ob das eine Bedeutung hat. The question is whether it's significant that Radharani was born 15 days after Krishna. <laughs> well, it's probably very significant. Um, one way it's significant is, of course, Krishna was already born, he was already there. And so when Radharani was born, it was possible then for Krishna uh, to be brought uh, to visit Radharani, to visit uh, Kirtida and uh, Rishabhanu and their new daughter, who, we are told, was born blind. 
and would remain blind until how does it go? Until well, until Krishna would come, <laughs> her eternal consort. In other words, she had no eyes for anyone from birth except Krishna. So she knew no one but Krishna. So she's the perfect sadhu, sadhu uh, which is also reminds me, I was just uh, reading uh, one of the epithets of Radharani is uh, she is Svabhishta Sadika Radhika Sadika uh, she is the perfect Sadaka but being female she's not a Sadaka she's a Sadika and so connecting to the verse we just uh, discussed Sadhavaridayamahyam sadhunamridayantva. So, um, that the sadhus only know Krishna and Krishna only knows the sadhus. So, as the perfect sadhvi, Radharani was, so to say, blind until Krishna came. And then she opened her eyes and all she saw was Krishna. Which reminds me of another, uh, another passage in uh, the 10th canto. This would be mm, chapter 39, perhaps, or 40, I'm not sure. Krishna is leaving Vrindavan, or apparently leaving Vrindavan. Akrura is escorting Krishna and Balaram to Mathura. And the, the uh, Rajavasis are, are shocked, and especially the gopis are shocked. Uh, and in their shock, they're expressing themselves. Uh, their utter confusion and shock and we can understand naturally they start blaming everyone they can think of for this first they blame uh, Daiva they blame destiny and then they blame Akrura um, and then they blame Krishna and Krishna is being really, really nasty because he's not even saying anything. He's just, he doesn't even look at the gopis. He's just leaving. And one of the things that uh, they say <laughs> is, okay, Krishna, you're leaving. So you take our senses with you because they're no use for us anymore. Uh, when you go, then there's nothing more for us to look at. <laughs> we only have one object to look at, and that is you. So if you're gone, there's no more use for our eyes. <laughs> no, they say uh, we, we will become blind because there's no more object for the eyes to see and therefore 
the, the function of the eyes will no longer be there. And that's the same thing as blindness. And they also say, just take our senses because there's no use for them. <laughs> yeah. I like this, yeah, this asana. It's ganz ru rustical. Huh? Ah. No, that's good. Mm. Yeah. But whether it's 14 or 15 or 16 days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Subal Gopal Das. You'll have to really belt it out. Okay, okay. I'd like to, you'd like to hear about some pastimes from some Hatula, maybe some exciting stories that happened in the past. Anticipation for tomorrow. Singachalam Leela. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, probably Ramananda Gopal knows more Leela than I do. He's been here as the Pujari and the head Pujari much, much longer than I ever was. How many years now? 30. Oh. Yeah, so I was only here as a really living here, what, maybe altogether like three years. And then, otherwise I was in and out, I was traveling. Uh, I spent one, I guess around one year, pretty much constantly traveling with Sachinan and Swami. And uh, then I started traveling in East Europe. So I was just kind of in and out. Uh, so I'm not much of one for knowing or remembering Leela. The book that is going to come out tomorrow, I think will um, include quite, quite many memories. And uh, that's been nicely uh, assembled with lots of energy and determination, especially by mainly Gopi Nita was behind it. Yeah. Nandimuki also. You were interviewing different devotees. No. Narahari. Well, I mean, that's a leela in itself, just the fact that Narahari <laughs> has been here since day one. <laughs> and Nandimukhi, you came not so much later. Was it ten years later? Uh, there was a 
quite a nice, I think, celebration of Narahari's, what was it? Uh, was it 40 years of Narahari? Forty years, Narahari here. Yes, mm-hmm. was two years ago. Two years already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I have a question. Okay. Rajadut Gopal. The blindness of Shumati Radharani. Uh-huh. Because she is blind when she doesn't look or she doesn't see Krishna. Mm-hmm. We also sort of take this analogy to our life, that when we don't see Krishna, our eyes are practically blind. The question is, should we take this uh, um, information of Shimati Radharani's blindness at birth and then seeing only Krishna uh, can we th- apply this to ourselves that if we're not seeing Krishna, we are actually blind? I would say that in a sort of uh, rhetorical sense, we could say that. <laughs> rhetorical means we can feel like that. Oh, I'm not seeing Krishna. But then there's also, as a devotee asked Srila Prabhupada one time, I think they were on a morning walk, so so what does it mean that a pure devotee sees Krishna everywhere? Does it mean, and he actually asked, he continued the question, does it mean that he sees this tree as Krishna, does it mean that he sees every little individual leaf on the tree as a little Krishna? Uh, how, how to understand seeing What does that mean, seeing Krishna? And Prabhupada said, no, it's not like that. He said, it's like a mother of a small child when the mother sees the little shoes of her child. She doesn't see the child directly, she sees the shoes. But because of her love for the child, when she sees the shoes, she sees her child. And you can say that's metaphorical. She doesn't really see the child, she sees the shoes. But it's as good as... It's kind of the same as the analogy of the of the uh, comparison of fire and iron, which has been heated to become red hot. Essentially, we can say this iron is now fire because it's having the same effect as fire. So, yeah. Like that.
Yes. Yeah. Do you want to go first? I, I saw your hand first. Very <laughs> <laughs> well, much. I've heard um, from the classes. I didn't come across in Shastra myself that um, Shri Prabhupada said that we can pray directly to Srimati Radharani. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, Srimati Radharani is just so exalted in her. Um, Okay, the question is, <laughs> is it how to understand when Prabhupada says you can pray directly to Srimati Radharani, considering who she is and who I am, how can I even think of doing that? Something like that. Yeah, the analogy I would give, and I explained this earlier today to a devotee, um, it's, the analogy is um, there's the king and the queen, and there's uh, a, a servant, a confidential servant of the king and the queen. Mm-hmm doing personal services and there's a new servant who is being introduced to what to do in personal service for the king. Maybe we should just say king for now. Oh, we can say queen. It's Radharani. We should say queen. Okay. (laughs) So personal servant to the queen and the new assistant to the personal servant to the queen. Uh, the personal servant to the, to the queen, because uh, the queen is comfortable with that personal servant, when she introduces a new assistant, it's not a problem. Uh, that personal assist, assistant in the presence of the uh, of the of the personal servant, the assistant in the presence of the personal servant can do personal service for the queen. And uh, so we might take that as an analogy for offering prayer, for um, petitioning Shrimati Radharani. We. So Prabhupada is saying, you can, you can petition, you can pray directly. He's standing there as Radharani's representative and authorizing you to, to pray to Radharani directly. But he's there, and that's what's making it possible. I don't know. (laughs) You seem to want to object. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
and followed that example. It mm -hmm. always sounds to me a little bit vague, you know, so, you know, so I just choose Nanda Baba or somebody and then follow him. Or is it is it more it, it, it more pulls out, you know, if, if the time gradually appears, or you as our spiritual guide, do you have any? This is the actual question. Do you have any any vision or some hints for us <laughs> in which direction we should go? Ah, now we already got into the <laughs> nitty gritty. <laughs> It's interesting, I found Srila uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur when he discusses uh, the Siddha Deha um, at, at the end, it's either at the end of his Jaiva Dharma or it's the end of um, his much shorter book, what is it, uh, which is also in the form of a novel. He's talking about this and it's quite radical. He's, he says, the guru um, proposes to the disciple that you are such and such in the spiritual world. And then that devotee, that disciple, is kind of given the freedom to accept or reject and say, no, that doesn't, no, I, I don't feel like I'm sorry, Guru Maharaj, I just don't feel like a cow in Vrindavan. <laughs> or whatever. And, and he seems, I mean, it's been quite a while since I read this part, but as, as I remember it, he's making it like a kind of a teamwork, like, let's see if we can work this out together. <laughs> Who you are. So it's, I mean, very surprising um, and I don't really know quite what to make of it I think his was a bit of a radical shift from the tradition um, but it could have been from his own experience he I mean he declared himself to be what's the name of the manjari hmm? Kamala Manjari, yeah, Kamala Manjari. It's like, right, okay. Bhaktivinoda Thakur is Kamala Manjari, and he's kind of telling the world, this is who I am. And we might want to say, okay, who are we to say that's not the case? But then from that position, <laughs> I wonder what the totally new guests think of us. Three, three people came from Straubing just before we started, I Met them here, spoke a couple of minutes with them. Just curious people, nice, open. I explained, we have this temple, we're celebrating 40 years. 
Oh, very nice. Really, you've been here 40 years. Oh. Yeah, please go see the temple. And they were completely just nice. But I wonder sometimes, what do they think? <laughs> yeah, so I'm a little bit waffling on this question because it's something I can't say that I have a full comprehension of um, But I would say that our acharyas emphasized patience. Along with patience has to come conviction. And along with uh, conv- conviction and patience must come enthusiasm, right? That's what Rupa Goswami says. So it's a combination of three things uh, that work together. And in due course, Prabhupada how many times said gradually in due course. But I think there's no harm in just remembering, reflecting uh, on whatever we understand of the mood of uh, the Rajavasis can be specific devotees. And I think we're encouraged to do that. For example, we, in the month of Karti, we're all every day discussing Damodar Lila, and that means remembering uh, Yashoda Mai and thinking what is her mood, and so on. We can think like that. But it doesn't have to mean that we start, oh, maybe I'm, you know, this or that. (laughs) I remember years ago, Lokanath Swami saying, you... You're remembering the past times, remembering, 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 remembering. And at some point, you'll become so absorbed, you'll notice that there's a kind of gap, a kind of opening in the past time into which you belong. (laughs) Oh, that's my role. Oh, that's where I, you know. (laughs) It'll just like... Oh, oh! I'm the one who's supposed to, you know, offer this or, or do do that for Krishna. <laughs> They're waiting for me to do it. Oh, okay. And then there you are. You've made it. <laughs> Sounds good, no? Yes. I had three small questions. Two, three, three. eight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One is when you mentioned about how when Krishna leaves Vrindavan, and very often we hear how Krishna Vrindavan never leaves Vrindavan. So Rajendranand and Krishna is always in Vrindavan. Then I was wondering what about Lord Balaram? Does he leave, or it's the same also with Lord Balaram? 
whether Balaram leaves or does not leave Vrindavan, when Krishna leaves or does not leave Vrindavan. I was hearing a uh, a talk by, I think it was Amarendra, probably from Atlanta, uh, that when Krishna and Balaram go to Vrindavan, Nanda Baba and other older cowherd men, uh, they're all going to Mathura. And then Nanda Baba comes back, he returns to Vrindavan, and there are two, um, I think he said Vishwanath Chagavardi Thakur says, then there are two Nandavavas and two chariots, and one of them is with Krishna and Balaram coming back, and one is without. So it's like parallel universes. So they never leave, and then again. Yeah, and of course it's understood that uh, Krishna, as he's leaving Vrindavan, he's not leaving Vrindavan. Who is leaving? It's Vasudeva. And so, I don't know if the Acharyas say this, but it would make sense that they would say, when Balaram leaves, it's not Balaram who leaves, it's Sankarsha. But I don't know if they say that explicitly or not. But we might, we might continue to wonder about this. Let me know when you find out. <laughs> that was question number one. Um, this morning when you were describing, Marge, about how Srimati Radha Rani is um, in a way hidden, in Srimad Bhagavatam and also different literatures. I was just wondering why is this uh, why is this occurring that Srimati Radharani is hidden? Because in 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 his teachings Krishna does emphasize on the practice of bhakti and the importance of bhakti. And then Srimati Radharani who is the biggest giver of bhakti is hidden in this manner. Why is she hidden? Why not come straight out? Well, the one explanation that you've probably heard is uh, that Shukadev Goswami is none other than Shuka, the parrot, the personal parrot of Radha, and that he was afraid that if I speak the name Radha, I will faint. And if I faint, that's a problem. Why is it a problem? It's a problem because Maharaj Pariksit's clock is ticking and I have to give him the full Bhagavatam, you know, before his seven days and seven nights are up. So I better stay awake and just keep cool. So better I don't say anything about her. <laughs> Uh, 
I would say, though, the other explanation would be uh, because the Bhagavatam is a Purana, it's available for everyone. Uh, the Adhikar for hearing Bhagavatam is basically unrestricted, although it says nirmatsara uh, nam uh, satam. It's for those who are free from envy. Yes, but it's it's a Purana, and all kinds of people could have been present when Shukadeva was speaking. And so to sort of guard against misunderstanding, um, yes, she is most merciful, and if she's spoken about to those who are not qualified, it can spoil uh, the it can spoil everything. Just like Krishna <clears throat> says in the Gita, the next verse after Sarvadharman Vrityaja. I keep meaning to learn this verse. Bear with me. Krishna gives all the restrictions of who who can hear Bhagavad Gita and Bhagavad Gita. Oh, Bhagavad Gita. Okay. Idam te na atapaskaya na abhaktaya kadachana na cha ashushushave vachyam na chaman yo abhisuyati. So this is not um, to be spoken to anyone, Kadachana. Sorry, at any time, Kadachana. Uh, to one who is not austere, Atapaska. To one who is not a devotee, Abhakta. To one who is... Um, Ashushushave, who one is, who is not faithful, who doesn't have faith uh, in the teachings, and uh, abhyasuyati, uh, na abhyasuyati, and who is to one who is envious. So we could say it's the same principle. Uh, in the Bhagavatam. Those, those, would, those are the two reasons I know. There's very well possibly more, more reasons than that. The commentary of Srila Sanatana Goswami on the Bhagavatam, the 10th canto. Brihat uh, Brihad Vaishnava Toshni, I think it's called, is wonderful, uh, wonderful and wonderfully entertaining uh, because with practically every verse, he says, it means like this, 
Or you can take it to mean like this. Or you can also take it like this. Or you can take it like this. And he has always many different uh, explanations, single words, phrases. So there could be more reasons why this silence or this hiddenness is there. Well, we can say also there's a general, there's a general culture in Vedic literature to uh, for for maintaining secrecy that what is to be known is not to be known by anyone and everyone unless and until they are really determined to find out. Like Gorkeshava was saying the other day, um, you have to keep asking questions. The famous example of this uh, is in, I think it's the Chandogya Upanishad, where Indra and, um, what's his name? Uh, they come to the guru for instruction. Uh, they come, it's Indra, a demigod, and one demon. Why I can't think of his name now. And um, they are instructed to first perform austerities. So they do austerities for 32 years. And then they come for teaching. And um, and they get their instruction about the nature of the self, um, which is a kind of superficial instruction. And the demon is satisfied with that initial instruction by which he understands that his body is the self. And he goes away. <laughs> but Indra is thinking, hmm, I don't know if... Maybe there's something more to it. So he does another 32 years of austerity and comes back to the teacher and the teacher gives him another instruction. And this happens three or four times. And finally, he's gotten it, that we are spiritual beings. Um, so there is that sense in Vedic literature, the process is one of it's one of excavation some digging has to be there some effort we have to make some effort it's not just going to come to us Srila Prabhupada was criticizing so much in America in those days in the 70s there were popular gurus from India who were offering different mantras um, for a price. You pay, as I remember, I was in college, university, and I was hearing about this. You paid uh, $36 and you would get this particular, you would get some secret mantra. $36. Yeah, that was the price. <laughs> well, at that time it was kind of more than it is now. 
but yeah, thirty-six dollars. A student could pay that. <laughs> Manageable. But I heard about that, and I, I thought, doesn't sound right. Doesn't sound right. So, uh, and then I think what would happen, you'd get this mantra and you'd chant for a while, and then you'd be told, well, if you really want something, you know, then then there's another payment. (laughs) And so it went like that. So, um, that's, (coughs) Prabhupada was making a lot of, criticism of that and joking and yes the the expression the the advertisement was that this was transcendental meditation he said, what is this transcendental meditation first you have to be transcendental then you can meditate <laughs> and what is transcendental brahmabhuta prasannatma nasochati nakangshati that is transcendental. You're on that platform, now you can do transcendental meditation. <laughs> I heard in Croatia you can get it for 50 euros. Customized mantra. Customized mantra, 50 euros. Yeah. No. Oh, the, the, the price went up. <laughs> I guess you get what you pay for. <laughs> Something kept in the mandin. Yes. I don't know if this is too specific, uh, but. I was recently reading uh, one article by Bhaktivinoda uh, Thakur uh, about um, this Pancha Samskara, the uh, mm-hmm. steps of initiation. Yeah. And I remember uh, listening to some of your those SoundCloud SoundCloud recordings of initiations, and you saying uh, one of the five steps of initiation is getting a name. So you were asking people, would you like a name? And uh, I wanted to, I was reading these and I was, as I read, I was increasingly more and more surprised while I was reading this article. Because, for example, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was saying, uh, yes, there is, for example, name, and then there is mantra, and he was saying, uh, um, unless one takes the mantra, one can never understand the true taste of the holy name. And so, and then um, I wanted to ask you, would you could you talk a little bit about these five steps? And I know we are not doing these as the same from uh, as Shri Prabhupada. I don't know if I can remember them all just now, but let's see. So one is tapa. I remember the first is tapa, and Bhaktivinoda Thakur mm, gives somewhat figurative explanation of them because tapa. Traditionally, and this is something Gorkeshva can tell you about, and I think he's also experienced it. Initiation traditionally in the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya involves getting branded. Literally, you get a hot iron 
uh, chakra on your shoulder. The idea is you're really committing yourself. You know, it's like, <laughs> this, is, this is for real. Uh, yeah, I guess people survive it. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's tapa literally, but the uh, the more figurative, in any case, the word tapa literally also just means it means heat, and then it comes to mean austerity, and then I think Bhaktivinoda says so. We we observe austerities when we accept initiation. And uh, I don't know what he specifies. I don't remember what he specifies for austerity. Of course, we have our four regular principles, and those are austerity. Those are our tapa. Um, so that's tapa. Then pun- punja, urdva Sorry, Urdva Pundra. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a funny story, Gurumanath, because um, in Slovenia, when uh, Padma Sundari Mataji, she was training me to be a helper in Pujari room. And then one day she said, I was thinking about what what will be your name when you will be initiated, because your name is like Urshka. And I was like, really, which one? And she said, Urdva Pundra. We had a lecture, we had an initiation here, and you start the initiation lecture, and you start to talk about Urdva Pundra. And I was stressed. And you were thinking, I'm getting ready to give you that name. Would you have preferred that name? No. Urdva no. <laughs> <laughs> Pundra means uh, upward, upward going, til- what we call tilaka. Tilaka means ornament. Um, and Urdva means up. And Pundra, I think it just means clay. Um... So that's one of the samskars. Bhaktivinoda Thakur was asked when he was in Puri. He was, um, I don't know, he had been in Puri for some time. And he was giving lectures, I think, in the temple compound. He was respected. He was, by that time, he had, you know been seriously studying Shastra, so he was giving lectures. People would gather. And um, and someone asked him, um, why you don't have, you're not wearing tilak? And he said, because I'm not initiated yet. He hadn't received formal initiation yet. Um, and so now we put tilak on anybody and everyone who walks in the door. 
<laughs> before they even hear the Hare Krishna mantra once. We're like at the, I think some devotees, some temples, they have someone standing at the door with Tila. Someone comes in. <laughs> they do that? Yeah, they have a stamp, they have this Tila Tini liquid, ah. and they have like a wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just do this, this part, and then stamping. Jamashtami. Jamashtami, they do it. You and your body came and make Tila to me. <laughs> First you get tilak and then you get a broom. <laughs> First you get tilak and then you get a broom. <laughs> Service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sign them up. <laughs> and then for the men, a little bit down the line, there's somebody with an electric shaver. <laughs> Yeah, Fritu was famous. He was he was collecting Sika points. <laughs> yeah, he would practically if somebody walked in the door with long hair, he'd practically grab them by the by the hair. You don't need this. <laughs> With a smile, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Urdhapundra, and then there's Nama. Uh, what else is there? The last one is Yaga. Mantra, Nama, and Yaga. Yaga. Yeah. Here's the man who can explain everything. <laughs> you came at just the right time. Oh, sorry I'm late. I didn't know we were meeting. I didn't either. Okay. <laughs> no problem. You, I was explaining, explaining something? Well, we're just talking about pancha samskara uh, diksha. I see. That's your, that's your department. <laughs> well, I mean... Not so much. <laughs> I, I don't give diksha that often. <laughs> I mean, you know. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. So, uh, but you had a more specific question relating nama and mantra. Yes. Uh, so, Bhaktivedanta uh, Thakur was saying that unless one um, uh, receives a mantra, so in our case it's, I guess, Gayatri mantra, uh, unless one receives this uh, mantra, one cannot get the real taste in the holy name. And one uh, people who do not have a mantra cannot even speculate about the taste who has a mantra gets from the holy name. He was saying this, and he was saying that mantra is uh, the most important step in an initiation. So he was differentiating nama and mantra. Do you want to comment on that? Did you hear? I, I couldn't hear the question. Okay, well, she's saying that um, of the bunch of samskara, so one of them is nama, one is mantra, and there's an article by Bhaktivinoda Thakur. I don't know when he wrote it. This could be relevant because 
there is a kind of one can detect developments in his writing over time but in any case he wrote an article about it and Ipek is saying that uh, he's emphasizing there that without receiving mantra meaning Gayatri presumably then one will never get the taste in Nama the name which is interesting because we understand kind of what seems to be the opposite of that from Shiva Jiva Goswami isn't that that uh, the name is complete in itself not requiring anything additional also read the exact one sentence quotation. Now, please read it. Well, okay. So those who have not received the mantra can only speculate about the taste of the holy name. But unfortunately, most of their considerations are useless. Therefore, you should receive a mantra, and those who have received it consider it to be uh, the most important samskara. Interesting. <laughs> Srila Prabhupada would sometimes say, first initiation is experimental. <laughs> Meaning, what he meant by that was, we, we, we give first initiation the um, nama diksha, if you like, harinama, and we see, is this person serious or not? Is this person... Uh, fixed in in the practice and so on and when we see that they're serious then we give them um, I guess sometimes he called it Brahman initiation sometimes second initiation on the other side though it's understood to my knowledge that uh, the uh, the Gayatri mantra in a sense it's no doubt it's supportive of the holy name but the, the holy name is independent not dependent on any anything else uh, the maha mantra is not dependent can be supported uh, sometimes it's been said that uh, the chanting of the mantras helps us to uh, be situated in sattva guna which is of course uh, conducive is helpful we can say a prerequisite even for chanting properly um, I don't know seem to be too but at the same time he says grandma um, uh, cannot be uh, obtained without pancha samskara yeah. <laughs> that makes it sound like holy name is dependent. Like our. It does, doesn't it? Comments? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, when receiving a mantra from a guru, I don't think it is referring to Nam. I agree on that point. Mm-hmm. Nam is, um, according to some, you know, according to some teachers who are kind of mantra gurus, especially in the tradition of Pancharatra, yeah. 
NAM is for everyone. In the Kali Yuga, everybody has accessibility to NAM because Shastra says that it's the Yuga Dharma. So mm. it's freely distributed. Yeah. But um, when it comes to an, a mantra, when they talk about contemplating the meaning of a mantra, firstly, it's encoded in a certain meter in a certain way and the guru gives an upadesha of what the it's good mantra upadesha in Sanskrit which is then a kind of breakdown as to what the meaning of the mantra is mm. rather than trying to comp- contemplate or speculate what the meaning could be mm. so the efficiency of a mantra is only powerful when you know the meaning of the mantra mm-hmm. and I think I was listening to somebody uh, preaching the other day saying I can't remember which after it was, was it in the Shuma? I'm not sure if it's in the Shuma Bhagavatam or where it was, I can't remember. But there was one um, line either in the Purusha Sutta or the Vishnu Sutta, one of those. But when the Sanskrit grammar ended incorrectly, instead of it being a Dirga Swarita at the end, it was a short Swarita, a, a kind of stop. So, like, rather than Instead of being a Dirga Sarita, he just mm. The effect of the mantra had a completely different effect. Yeah, that's case of a mention. Yes, he was talking about it. Yeah. So, the, so an Upadesha of a mantra has to be given by the Guru because he kind of sets the sets the scene of how the mantra should be conveyed. But I think that ref- that's more, in- personally from studying mantras, I think that's more so for Vedic mantras and yeah. some Puranic mantras that have to receive initiation. But when it comes to the holy name, um, Ajamil, you know, right. Nara, you know, I mean, we all know the story. So yeah. That's just what I would- my two pence were. <laughs> two pence coming from England. <laughs> okay, thank you. I don't know if that settles it for us. I think it's an interesting open question. We need some deeper understanding of this. We don't hear of Namacharya Haridas Thakur receiving any Gayatri mantras, do we? And no, I think no one argues that he had full taste in the Holy Name. Otherwise, how could he be chanting day and night, you know, nonstop? So that's why I'm also wondering a little about the date of this article, whether this was something Bhaktivinoda's expressing, or if it's an earlier article, then I would want to see, is he saying that later on? I think Bhaktivinoda Thakur's sort of um, pretty much fully developed theology is in the Jaiva Dharma. That's, uh, I think it's safe to say that's his fully developed Bhaktivinoda Thakur also was a part of the Bhadralok as well. Yeah. And so they were kind of pretty conscious about trying to do what they say Hindu, Hindu Reformation groups. Oh, yeah. 
came about to try and kind of battle with caste consciousness. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is that Bhaktivinoda Thakur actually took the Brahmin thread off all of his disciples. Oh. He took them all off. It was Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He put it back on. He put them all back on everybody. <laughs> and then gave, you know, the guy three mantras. He told all his disciples to take them off in the end, later part of his life. But then when we read the Arjuna Paddhati of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he gives several what we could say um, mantras which are following the Pancharatric system and they don't necessarily start with Om either they, they have mantras which are starting with Bija mantras mm. which are Pancharatric uh, in, in by nature yeah. Tantric in nature <laughs> yeah. and so that was really interesting but um, Gaudiya Vaishnavism in one sense is kind of like a, a, a movement started by Brahmins, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is a Brahmin, Gadadhar Pandit is a Brahmin, Nityananda Prabhu, Advaita Acharya. Brahmins who are trying to appeal to non-Brahmins. Mm. It's, a, it's a complete, um, how do you say, sorry, um, a complete um, reversal of a caste-based um, giving of mantra, mm-hmm. but this is nam, <coughs> and and shash and then the Hari Krishna Maha Mantra in Shastra is Hari Rama Hari Rama 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 Hari. So I, I I think there may be some kind of, just as an idea. I, mean, I don't know the answer. I'm just kind of now. I've been mm. asked. So I'm just. And this may become your research project. It may become a research project. <laughs> yeah. So that's why um, yeah. it's interesting to see that it's coming from a. The, the the climate yeah. is, is, is perhaps influential on the on these topics. Oh yeah, I think there's huge huge influence. One sees it very much, especially well throughout his writings. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to he wanted to bring Vaishnavism into the wider <coughs> world, but that wider world, as some have pointed out, was a kind of middle-class world also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, yes. I ohne Devotees zu kennen und ohne eingeweiht zu sein. Und er sagte mir, das rührt dann ein, aus einem anderen Leben her. Mhm. Stimmt's. <lacht> Sicherlich. She's saying that she asked uh, a guru. She didn't say who. Uh, whether what was the question again? Whether someone could or how one could be f- fully surrendered in service <coughs> without initiation, without uh, so many things we consider necessary. And the answer was uh, that a b- capacity would be coming from another, an, a previous life. Mm. Um, yeah, makes sense. Das macht Sinn. 
mich manchmal gewundert, wenn man äh, so viel Wert darauf legt, unbedingt dies, unbedingt das und wenn das nicht ist, das, dann geht das andere nicht. Yeah. Why is it we have so many requirements? Well, Prabhupada gives example of going to university or getting an honorary degree. Uh, it's possible that you could get an honorary doctorate for, in your case, flower arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Someone may recognize that uh, Kishori Kunda is completely in her own class when it comes to flower arrangement. The least we can do to recognize her is give her an honorary doctorate. <laughs> uh, I'm just giving an example. So, but normally one has to go through the process of, uh, as we say in English, you have to jump through the hoops. Yeah, man muss durch die Reifen springen. And then one gets the degree. So, When it's saying you must do this, this, and this, and this, and this, it's on that basis. There's a lot of emphasis in Hari Bhakti Vilasa on accepting the necessity to accept a guru. Uh, as the first step in spiritual life. So... But Krishna is all-powerful and everything is possible for Krishna. And there are stories in Vrindavan, there are whole sampradayas that start out uh, with someone just having a vision of Srimati Radharani, for example. I think that's the case with the Radha Vallabha sampradaya. Uh, I don't remember the details of the story, but um, the founder of the Sampradaya had a darshan and that was it. That's all he needed. So that's possible. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm thinking. Hitharivamsh. Hitharivamsh. He was chewing pan, beetle leaf on Ekadashi. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so he was chastised by, I think it was Jiva Goswami. Oh. Or one of the, and he said, well, I had darshan of Srimati Radharani and she gave me this and I can do, you know, I don't have to follow these rules because I'm a, I'm not sure if he was actually born in Vrindavan. Maybe it could be possible. I don't know. But apparently that whole trend of Brajabasis being allowed to do anything and whatever they want to do and still, you know, get away with it kind of thing kind of came from that tradition. It kind of stemmed. So he broke off and made his own sampradaya. Yeah, which is interesting and ironic because I've been in their temple, which is beautiful, <laughs> Beautiful deity worship, 
uh, of Radha Vallava, amazing deity of Vallava, and Radha in Gandhi Seva form. And uh, I noticed that when they do the arti, they don't use a, a conch, either for blowing or for the water, the argya. No conch. They have a silver, a little, a little silver uh, lota they just offer. And after the arctic, I spoke with one of the one of the priests, and I mentioned that I said it's interesting that you don't offer a conch. And he sort of made this exclamation: "Was like, ah, conch? Oh no! <laughs> How impure can you get? You know." <laughs> And of course, that's something Prabhupada explains in uh, in the Ishopanishad, I think, that uh, the conch is pure. Uh, why? It says in the Veda. Uh, we accept it. So there's, uh, on the one hand, do what you want, but on the other, you know, it's they're, they're very concerned with some sort of purity on their own terms, I guess. <laughs> I heard that I heard in the Jumma I said that the deity is actually made from wood. Rather Vallabha was made from wood, not, really? not a stone deity. And his eyes are made from jewels. That's why his eyes are really dark because they're made from jewels. They're not made from um, huh. conch shell eyes. Of course, they, if they yeah. don't have a conch, they probably won't right. have conch eyes. <laughs> so yeah, he's an interesting deity. He is. They have a very rich music tradition uh, there, uh, Samaj Gayana, uh, and uh, very sweet. And they have a song cycle, all, all in Brajbhasha, and it's all written out for the entire year in three volumes, three thick volumes which I have copies of. Um, so with each uh, festival, with each period of the year, they have a specific songs that they sing. And they go through those songs for the whole year. And they sing every morning and every evening. And it's very meditative. It's not like us... <laughs> <laughs> time for Seva. I think it's time for us all because it's starting to rain. Yeah. Ich <laughs> auch. Bye. Bye. Bye.